0: We are finishing up our series that we're doing on Joseph. I hope that um, you guys have taken uh, some time to just reflect a little bit on this powerful story in the Old Testament. If you've never read Joseph, uh, the account of Joseph in the Old Testament, uh, take some time this summer and, uh, and read Genesis uh, roughly 30 through, through, through 50. And explore this story because powerful, powerful things happen. And in a lot of ways, people have looked at Joseph and they've said the events that transpired in his life actually parallel uh, in form, uh, at least, or in experience, uh, those of Christ himself. Many of the themes, uh, someone who is honored by the Father and chosen, uh, also someone who is uh, humiliated in ways that they don't deserve someone who's been betrayed and you could just go on and on and on, even to the point of thinking about the clothing and how they played a role. We know what they did. uh, They sold Jesus's clothing uh, at, or they gambled over it at the end of his life. And so the parallels are really pretty uncanny. And as you're reading, you might just say, uh, as I'm reading Joseph, this thing struck me as it reminded me of something Jesus went through and you'll discover a rich, sort of connection between those two lives as uh, you read the Bible. Um, and, and I know I have as I've gone back through it again in this uh, in this message series, and I've really enjoyed it. Um, but we are at the pinnacle end of his life's journey from the origins of the pit and different pits that he had uh, had to encounter in order to be shaped and formed and basically developed into the character who could— become the prime minister of, of all places, Egypt, and then be responsible for the well-being of so many lives. Uh, it's powerful, powerful stuff. Uh, but for today, uh, I want to look at how he took uh, a certain view of that responsibility as it affected literally hundreds of thousands, if not millions of lives, but more personally, how it affected him and his relationship with his family. I know during Memorial Day, a lot of us are thinking about family. I'm thinking about Dodge Grove Cemetery in uh, Illinois and all the family members that are uh, lined up in a couple of places there and their stories. Uh, and you know, I wish I could be there uh, this weekend. And probably when I go out to Illinois in a few weeks, I'll be spending a little time there. Uh, and one thing that I do know about uh, death is it has this way of focusing us on what is most important. And Joseph lived through something that helped him to clarify his connection with people that had betrayed him at one point, and now he was responsible for their very lives. Uh, so I just want to jump into it this morning and um, look at a couple of passages of scripture that are on the front of your message notes. And these are these are passages that um, were written uh, many, many years after the ones that we read about uh, last week. So a lot of water has gone under the bridge, and it's almost like throwing a stone, and it hits here, and it hits here, and it hits there. And, and here's where the stone landed for our message today. Uh, this, is, um, this is what's occurred. Let me put this in a little bit of context. Uh, Joseph had been prime minister because of his ability to organize everything in light of a coming famine that God revealed to him. So for seven years, he harvested all the crops and he stored them in surplus, uh, preparing for seven years of scarcity and famine. And in the wake of that famine, two years into it, Joseph's brothers who were down um, in, in, well, actually, they would have been up geographically in, um, in, in, in what we know as modern-day uh, Palestine, it, uh, is, um, is, 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 is descending down into Egypt because they understand that there is grain and they can get some. Well, when they go down there, they encounter Joseph, and there is um, a, a lot of interesting things in that part of the story, which I didn't have time to preach on. But the, the long and the short of it is, Joseph is reconciled to his brothers. His father is brought back uh, to, uh, uh, with, with all of their clan uh, to Egypt, and then they're settled into the most fertile part of Egypt, the land of Goshen, richly, richly blessed by Pharaoh and, uh, and the goodwill that he had towards Joseph's family. Uh, 17 years into uh, their time there, Joseph died, or I mean, Joseph's dad died. Jacob, I'm sorry. I always get those two confused. I'm um, going to tell my wife not to let me chop down trees on Saturdays so I'm not so tired. But as, um, as, as they're memorializing and honoring Jacob's life, they have to, you know, they have a funeral procession. Uh, they have a monument that, that, that recognizes his life and his contribution, and they have 70 days of mourning. And what occurred to the brothers at that point into it was, all right, uh, this wave of fear just began to, 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 to just, just run over all of them. And they thought, all right, Joseph knows that we betrayed him. Joseph knows that we sold him into slavery. Joseph knows that um, dad's not around anymore. And they're very fearful that Joseph is going to, well, he's going to have a reckoning. That some things that were owed are going to come due. And Joseph could have very well taken advantage of this opportunity by harboring bitterness all of that time. And just allowing a slow burn of one day I'm going to get even with those guys for betraying me, for selling me for disconnecting me from my family. And many of us, I know, struggle with bitterness. Things that have happened to us in the course of time that we think if there was only an opportunity that would present itself, where we could get even and settle the score, boy, we're strongly inclined to do that. And it's just part of our nature that God says, that part of who you are is not going to be allowed to be with me forever. And we got to work through it to get rid of it. Joseph's brothers were, were, had reason to be, had great justification to be fearful because of all of that stuff. And so they, 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 they said these things to each other. When they saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? And uh, they're just wondering, what's he going to do? Joseph, aware of these apprehensions, a few verses later, responded in a way that they didn't quite expect. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then... Don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. I mean, why the change of heart? Why did Joseph decide to go this route? And I think that this is a question that probably we all should have to answer from time to time on how we're going to approach those things that have happened to us in the past that were wrong and, uh, and, 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 and were justified in retaliation. So let's explore that a little bit because Joseph actually took that experience and reframed it a different way that I think is helpful for you and I. At the end of the story, which is where we're at, um, Joseph was empowered actually um, 17 years later. uh, So it's a misprint on my part. um, 17 years later to do some great damage or great good to lives that were subject to his influence. And during the course of actually... um, those years of uh, of famine, uh, there were things that were opportunities that presented himself that he could very much have, have, have used for his benefit. And I don't know about you, but let's say you have a chance to get a lot of power and a lot of wealth and a lot of influence. And you may be thinking right now, I'm not interested in any of that stuff. But just imagine if you won the lottery. Just imagine if all of a sudden somebody popped into your world and said, would you help, would you, would you like to run a top government post? Just imagine if somebody just offered to you a career opportunity that was way beyond anything you, you, you ever even considered possible. And these are things that had had come into Joseph's uh, orbit, and he began to see what he could do in this position of great power. And he looked at himself, and he saw how he could gain from it, and he looked at other people, and he began to process the good that he could do for others. And he really had two options. Like anybody who has power, you can use it in good ways or bad ways. And so here are some of the options that he had. First of all, he could take the low road, and that's the road of self. It's the road that says, I'm going to put my own interests over the interest of others. And he could use his position to increase his wealth. Yesterday, I read an article in the Wall Street Journal and it described um, an investigation that was going on with uh, Navy Admirals. Uh, and during the course of all things Memorial Day weekend, you think about these top leaders as people who have arrived at this position because of their great respectability, the character, and, um, and just the capacity that they had to manage very complex things well. And yet, somewhere along the way, uh opportunity presented itself to um to to up to they say right now 30 admirals who had been in conversation with a con man in the far east and i won't go into the details of it only to say that he was able to structure things in a way that these admirals could receive money and compensation for utilizing uh, his fuel uh, depots for the different fleets. And lots and lots of money uh, was put into the pockets of, of these admirals. And there was, um, there was an investigation where 200 admirals were called into a room and they were, they were, they were uh, basically told that 30 of you um, are actually under scrutiny right now through uh, this misuse of your position. Several of them already have been, um, have gone through the process of of being indicted in a military court. And it's just a total disaster on the part of a a very respectable career that got derailed by the utilizing of a position for your own personal wealth. And uh, it can happen. I mean, if you look at people of that caliber, who have benefited from these opportunities that are so abstract everybody else that the assumption is no one is really going to even understand how it is that we we were able to capitalize on this experience, but somehow word got out, and uh, at that level and at any level, you can take the low road, and you know of course, none of us are in that place in life we are just you know common folk just you know we work and we try to prepare or provide for our families and do those things that will just benefit uh, the well-being of people that we care for however there's always those little opportunities that say take the low road no one will know and if you do you'll benefit from it there's no downside from this but there is always a downside on the low road, it just almost goes without saying it. It just makes sense. And as, um, as, you, as you consider Joseph's role, uh, he looked at the famine. He looked at how God had positioned him. And he could have very much used this as an opportunity to basically bankroll his family and any aspirations that he had. But he had an accountability to a higher authority. And he didn't leverage the famine as an opportunity to exploit vulnerable people. What he did was he looked at vulnerable people who were starving in the wake of a famine, who had no choice but to give everything that they, that they had in order to get grain just to sustain their lives. And he didn't do that. He didn't take advantage of the situation. He didn't use that for his own gain. And, he, and he, he very well could have. And he could have been justified as second in command. I don't know that anybody would have really challenged him on it except for Pharaoh. And up to that point, he had saved Pharaoh and the country. pharaohs he's got a lot of money in the bank with Pharaoh. And yet, Joseph said, no. Something funny happened along the way to Egypt when my brother sold me into slavery. And maybe something funny like this happened to you at one point. You discovered that God was real. You discovered that in the course of your life and perhaps in the deepest, darkest valley that you've ever gone through, God showed up. And from that experience, and it could be any number of things that we encounter in the course of our lives. It could be through a personal tragedy. It could be through a a tremendous challenge that you felt like "I I have no means of overcoming. It could be through a time of, Sickness that, that you never really were sure if you were going to get past. It could be through the breakup of a marriage. And all of these things, God says, I want to show up in the messiness of life. And I want to show you that I can take the mess that you're in. And I can work it together in some meaningful way. That on the other side, you'll look back and you'll say, wow, only God could do that. And God whispered into Joseph's ear. On the way to Egypt, as he was bound in captivity, and he said, Joseph, just like I promised to your great-grandfather Abraham that you would be part of a great blessing for other people, I'm going to make good on that promise, and I'm going to use you to richly bless other people. And Joseph heard that word, and everything that he did from that point on was centered not in himself But in the purposes of his God and you see that through the story. It's very powerful the question that I have for you though is Because of who we are we are grafted into the family of God We are through the blood of Christ bought and then adopted into uh, That greater family that Joseph is a part of and God's purpose for us Is the same as for Joseph on many levels It is to be a blessing. Now, what does it mean to be a blessing for other people? Abraham was called and he said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. And through all the nations, uh, they will find themselves blessed through you. And Joseph was part of that in what he did in enabling the people to enjoy food in famine and his own family to enjoy the blessing of Goshen and the promised land. What about you? How has God blessed you? You know, just a, a minute ago, we celebrated the choir and, and especially Attila and Jackie. And you stop and you think, yeah, my life has been going so fast. I haven't stopped to enjoy the moment and to see what God's put in front of me and discover that there is a richness to that. And that, that's something very visible that we can showcase. Um, l- last night, I was... Um, I was actually burning some, well, the remainder of a pine tree. And uh, my youngest son, uh, of course, he got tired, he had to go in. Uh, My wife, uh, she's nursing a broken finger and she got tired and she went in and then Christian and I were tending the fire and he was getting pretty beat and I said, why don't you just go on in. So I was there tending the fire and I just uh, stopped and I sat down on the ground and I just looked up into the sky and I looked at the trees around me. And I just had this moment where God said, just look at the beauty of everything that I've made. You've, you've been walking under this and around this for so long, and yet you haven't stopped to savor what it has to offer. And then all of a sudden, it just, it just really came upon me, the weightiness of the moment. And God is saying, that's all over the place. And you're actually a bringer of blessing to other lives in many different forms, It could be through a gift, it could be through a prayer, it could be through a word of encouragement, it could be through recognizing a need in someone's life and responding. However it is that God's using you, rather than exploiting other people for your own end, which seems to be happening more and more and more in the world that we live in, rather, conversely, as a believer, we're asking, what can I do to add to another person's life? If you've ever done that, it's a wonderful experience to go to bed at night and feel really good about yourself that you've been a pathway and a channel for blessing to others. But have you ever been in that place where you you use somebody for your own end? Where maybe you took advantage of a situation? Maybe you, you, you did something that... Um, you benefited from, it cost them, and in your mind, you felt uneasy about. I'm not saying that you have, but I'm saying we're capable of doing that. And there are people every day who look at vulnerable people and they say, how can we exploit them? Um, if you ever know, know anybody who's ever been to a payday cash store, ever been to a rental, rental place, ever been to venues that are designed with... Uh, with, with the thought in mind that our customers have a mindset and the mindset really is about living in the moment they're not really equipped to, to really expand beyond that into a week or a month or a year and so we can tell them you can have this today for this small cost but we also understand over time they're going to be paying a lot more than the average person and that's exploiting vulnerable people Joseph could have also used his power to settle old scores, which might have been what it was really about the whole time. I'm driven to obtain power so that one day, one day when the opportunity presents itself, I'm just going to unload with both barrels on those people that destroy my life. And he could have framed it that way, but like I said... God began to work in his life. And as God began to work, his heart began to change. And in the vulnerability of where his brothers were at with their father passed away, he could have just said, now's my moment. And as ugly and dark as that is, that's the low road. But that's a road that there isn't a person in this room under specific circumstances that we might very easily find ourselves going down. But let's just see where he's at on this. Joseph recognized God's activity in his life, and he honored the purpose he was called to. Now, I do know this. God is active in everyone's life. Atheist, agnostic, and believer. He doesn't want any of us to perish. And he's doing things in the circumstances and in the hearts of people, all people, to direct them to his presence. But like that, anybody have a light on the dashboard of your car that's just on all the time? Anybody have that? And if you do, how many of you don't even see it anymore? I think that's the way God is. He's sort of like, I'm here, but you're like, I don't even see that anymore. I tuned it out. I've tuned tuned you out. But Joseph said, I'm going to be tuned in, and I'm going to see that God's been working, and he's showing me telltale signs along the way that in the difficulties of life, he can be counted on to, to overcome the things that I'm confronted with. And he's helped God or God's helped Joseph along the way. And I would suspect that God has probably helped each of you in ways that maybe you've recognized, certainly in ways that you haven't. And God, whenever he does that is drawing our attention to the fact that I'm trying to engage with you because I want you to live a life that's meaningful. I want you to live a life that's purposeful. I actually want to live a life that's eternal And I want you to be a part of something that's going to help others see that as well. To bless them so that they can discover salvation like I'm offering you. And Joseph saw all of that with clarity. And have you ever had a bad habit or even an addiction problem? And you told yourself, I just can't seem to get past this. But then a completely different set of circumstances came your way. And your attention was drawn into that, and pretty soon, you're not you're not doing that anymore, and you're not even thinking about doing that anymore because something else has kind of grabbed your your mind and your imagination. I know people who have um, who've had uh, problems with uh, drinking, maybe not not hardcore, but in a way that um, would uh, would would basically just keep them on that train. Who've taken the challenge. Uh, uh, that's offered um, uh, to to just give it up for a month. And they, they said, after that month, I just didn't even have an interest in it anymore. And I became distracted by other things, and it no longer has a hold of me like it did. And Joseph said, I was interested in bitterness. I was interested in retribution. I was interested in paybacks. But all of a sudden, God got me interested in something else. And pretty soon, what he was excited about became something that I was excited about. And his whole life was really driven by that excitement. So in those two choices that we have to make, we could take the low road and say, I only want to get excited about what I'm excited about. Or we could begin to follow God and we can see that he's got something else that's much better. And at the end of the day, I can even sleep better when I follow it. So he chose to take the high road. He used his abilities to resource Those who could thrive under his leadership. And that's how he saw himself. I've been blessed with these capabilities to govern an organization to a degree that if I do it well, countless lives every day will get up and they'll know that there's food, there's basic needs. Um, My friend uh, Wes Anderson works for uh, the, the city streets department. And uh, he was trying to explain to me how many miles of road there are in Salem and how many different components that we do not see go to make up our everyday experience, whether it's um, uh, sewers or storm drains or roads or, or sidewalks and all of this stuff every day we use, but most of us don't even give it another thought. And I told Wes I said, "What's your job like?" And he said, "Well, the other day I was I was holding a sign because we were repairing a road." And he said, "You would not believe the number of people who gave me the single digit salute." And I said, "Really?" I said, "Because you were taking up their space?" He said, "Yeah, we were inconveniencing their lives." And I said, "Wes, I said, don't take that personally." I said, what you do adds so much value to how we function. That, and, and it's so unseen that we only appreciate it when it's not working. When it's working, we don't think about it. And Joseph was one of those people who said... I want to do something that creates the infrastructure that creates the actual needs that people have in a common sense that they can thrive under. And they're not um, they're not necessarily thinking about me. They're just thinking about the fact that uh, they, they can function in life. And my reward isn't in this great recognition as much as it's in knowing that I'm able to add this value because God's called me to this purpose. And there's a lot of things in life. That, that you will find yourself doing that no one will appreciate. But if, it, if, if you don't do it, things begin to collapse and people begin to complain. And it's just the nature of leadership. It's the nature of doing anything that makes a difference in people's lives. And Joseph said, I'm going to take my abilities and I'm going to resource those who could thrive under my leadership and my reward is going to going to be to see children get up have food and go to school or whatever kids did in Egypt at that time to see adults be able to have a sustainable means of nutrition so that they can do what they do and that's enough because i know this brings pleasure to god as well so he we chose to take the high road and this is the second thing that um, he chose. He used that as an opportunity to help his family, the family you know the people that abandoned him, the people that let him go he said i'm going to i 'm going to help them and this may be a hard thing for some of us in the room because there I, I know this pastorally there's there's you know situations where there's A lot of strain because there's been words that have been exchanged or actions that have been done or even betrayals that have occurred. And you feel like, I don't know if I can use the opportunity I've been given to bless them. But God says, yeah, you can. Because you need to take the high road. Because it's not about you. It's about what I'm doing through you for them. Maybe they did what they did to you because they're caught up in some darkness themselves. And like anyone else, I want to pull them out of that darkness so that they can see things through the wonderful light. And so if you think about just on a personal level, those problems that you have with people that you call your family, maybe God's saying, let's look at it through the lens of a kingdom level. And let's see what purpose we can do by having you love them as my son loved you when he was having his hands nailed to a cross. And that perspective makes us realize that we're called to something much, much greater. People who have, you know, it, it's been said that a million people have lost their lives in over the course of time in our country to ensure that we have this, to give us this place where we have an environment that we assume Uh, Like everyone else that we have this freedom. We can do whatever we want. And the thing is, what we don't realize is some unnamed faces, fought battles to ensure our protection and the legacy of what they had helped to create so that we could be in this moment, so that we could enjoy in the peacetime things like work and family and, and retirement and the possibilities that Uh, Linger whenever we're free people and God says that's the kind of blessing that I want to be to you and through you. Here's the last thing he chose um, uh, the high road by recognizing God created a moment for him to extend forgiveness and reconcile his family. If God sees a need for forgiveness to happen between two human beings and God knows that his whole reason for being is to reconcile all things in Christ. The forgiveness and reconciliation rank pretty high on on his uh, on his level of priorities. And as uh, God looks at that priority, he says, I'm going to do everything that I can to create opportunities for you. To offer forgiveness. And to be an agent of reconciliation. And God created a moment for Joseph. The moment was initially a famine. But in this moment where the brothers are absolutely terrified of, uh, of what may fall in the hands of a prime minister who happens to be their brother. Who happens to be somebody that they betrayed. In that moment God said, you're on Joseph. And what did Joseph do? Let's pull that first scripture back up if we can, Brian. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him, oh, it's just coming. And Joseph said, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? That's God's business. He's the one who settles the books. You intended harm for me. Yeah, that was wrong. What you did was wrong. However, God used that for good to accomplish what is now being done. And so I'm ready to move past it if you are. Because many lives have been saved through this. And that makes it all good. So then don't be afraid. And then Joseph goes the extra mile and he says, just like I've been blessed, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to provide for you and your children. I'm going to make you feel secure. Rather than terrified, I'm going to do the... Exact opposite. I'm going to make you feel safe. And he reassured them. And he spoke in a kindly tone to them. And it is his way of saying, I'm not like this because it's me. I'm like this because it is God working through me. And the whole family and the whole nation, because he allowed God to work through him, was impacted profoundly. We just don't know, do we, how God's going to work? But here's the thing we have to understand is the bottom line. We can choose to take everything personal. Like you've offended me, you've upset me, you've crossed me the wrong way, uh, and on and on and on we can make a ledger of all of the transgressions and trespasses that people have done against us, and we can look at life through the lens of everything is personal, and everyone has basically uh, a a score, and if your score is too high, then obviously um, we've got some things that we need to sort out, and it's all about me and I know people who function that way in life and it's a burden I don't think I'd ever want to carry and God says you get rid of that burden and it's going to be painful but this is how you do it you start by denying yourself and taking up your cross and following me and as counterintuitive as that sounds that is the beginning pathway to freedom To joy. To killing your person off who is worrying about offenses and taking on the person of Christ who is concerned about showering love on other people and blessing. It's a way of honoring God's processes in each of our lives and allowing other people to be influenced by it in a wonderful way. I thought that was a great tribute you gave to your husband, Bridget. And Hank, in a lot of ways, you are kind of that infrastructure guy. You're sort of that support guy. You're the one who allows a family to be blessed in ways that maybe, maybe I can't speak for them, but maybe are not fully appreciated until um, maybe, you know, for whatever reason, you're, you're off doing something else and they're not sensing that support. And in a lot of ways, um, you know, God's used you in that way to be a blessing, to allow the hardships of your past to be a source of clarification for how you value what you have in the moment. And that's just God's way. And um, the richest thing about the blessing that you guys have together is the fact that the Lord is at the center of your covenant of marriage. And you're blessed by that. And it's just an example and a testimony of what God wants to do. I've seen God work through your lives. I'm I know I'm I'm kind of kind of pulling you out here, but it's a life that says we're putting the Lord first. And just I've seen that in so many ways. It's just an example of how when God is put at the center, people feel the influence in ways that they're grateful for. God is just working all the time in each of our lives to create signposts to say here I am here I am here I am here I am and you gotta trust me and if you do I can take you from the pit to the pinnacle to the places where you need to be the place where I designed you to be the place where I've saved you from so that you can become something that you're not through my son Jesus And the way and the road and the path isn't necessarily a church or a building as much as it is uh, connecting our heart with the heart of our Lord Jesus, which we can do anywhere if we just come to him in a spirit of surrender and say, Lord, in my dark valley, in my moment of pain, in this moment where things are going well, I want you to be the Savior of my life, And the Lord of my life from here on out, and I want to know the fellowship of your presence and the blessing of all the goodness that you are so that my life can be what it needs to be in you. Maybe you need to make that declaration and perhaps today is the day.